Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, aka the Power Ranking Show. Let me slink my head underneath our border here. There, I'll back it up, bro. This looks kind of weird when I do this. Looks fine. I look like I might have a cone head. Did you ever see cone heads? I did. Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Yeah. Are you a Dan Aykroyd guy? Oh, yeah. You have a favorite? The Great Outdoors. Ah, oh, that's right. He is in The Great Outdoors. You love, dude, you love that movie. It's one more of my than favorites. Anybody I know. Is it better than Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Because I know oh. that's a favorite. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think John Candy and Dan Aykroyd together are just, it's a perfect combination. Just like Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers now in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. We are going to talk some draft. He's uh, at Marcus underscore Mosher, by the way. Everybody is that a segue? Is, it like, is that yeah. a A-plus segue? Not really, because I'm about to go right back. Uh, okay. You did turn me on to Planes, Trains, and Autumn. What if I just said you did turn me there on? There you go. I just, I that's going to be that, a nice little cut. Uh, yeah. To planes, trains, and automobiles, that it's really our only Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't think of another one. And so I watched it recently after you told me that. And that's a, that's a really good movie. And I had also forgotten that John Candy was in that polka band. In, polka, polka, polka? Had some big hits <laughs> in the Midwest. Yeah. Yes. Why do they just call it Polka Cube? That's a math joke, everybody. All right. Uh, so a lot of things to get to here. Uh, Marcus and I were talking offline about different moves and different things, but th- I look, the headliner was the 2023 draft, the first round. And this is Marcus's sweet spot. He watches these guys all year round. He watches tape with his brother, with the charcuterie board and some really bad beer. And that's what they do. And so I'm going to get Marcus's take. I have some takes actually on the first round, especially from the team perspective. That's a little bit more my, uh, sweet spot. But before we get into any of that, one overarching thought about this uh, draft, just anything I, yeah, so far. I, I thought running back value like was slowly fading away, and that mm-hmm. you know we it'd be very rare to see running backs ever drafted inside the top 10, 12 picks. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Uh, we had not one, but two running backs selected inside the top twelve picks. Bijan Robinson going eight to the Falcons. Uh, Jamar Gibbs going to the. Lions at number 12 and it sounds like Gibbs could have even went higher. The lions were seriously considered drafting him at number six. Wild, wild stuff. You know, what's interesting to me, man, uh, or one of the things that I noticed, it's a little bit, uh, more on the, you know, periphery here, but, uh, the venue looked nice, you know, like they've been doing these, uh, you know, I went to the draft when it was in Chicago and of course at radio city music hall, but they've what they've been to Philadelphia Nashville was it Cleveland? What? Wait, Philadelphia, Nashville. I'm trying to think of all the places they've been. They the were last in Dallas one year. They were in Cleveland Dallas. one year. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I thought it looked nice. It was pretty Roger cool. Roger Goodell's basement one year. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um. I watched with a friend of mine, and she kept commenting. She's like, "This looks really cool, like mm-hmm. visually." Uh. She wanted to watch the end of the Hawks Celtics game though, so I had to miss a couple of picks. Wasn't real happy about that. Just so y'all know, the Hawks couldn't get an inbound pass right at the end yeah. of the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, anyway, Celtics uh, won the series four games to two for all you uh, following along at home. As yeah. far as the first round, though, man, 
Uh, let's talk some winners and losers. We'll start on the plus side. Let's, you know, three teams that you think, man, knocked it out of the park. We usually don't like to give New England uh, a lot of credit for what they do in the first round. We used you like to laugh at them a little bit with how bad they are at drafting, but I, I thought they crushed it. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, I thought was the best cornerback in this class, and I think you can make an argument that he was the second or third best defender in this class. New England traded down from 14 to 17, picked up a fourth-round pick, and added Gonzalez to a secondary that kind of needed a player like him. I, I thought New England absolutely crushed it. And a lot of corners off the board in the first round. A uh, corner was highly valued in this year's draft, and it should be. I did remark to uh, Marcus last night, we just had a quick chat, and I was like, hey, there's not not even the best safety in the country is off the board yet. Nope. So that's probably going to happen in what, the first five picks, picks of the second yeah. round? First yeah. five picks of the second round. I have an idea in a second who I think should move up to get mm -hmm. that guy. We'll get to that. Okay, team two, knocked it out of the park. Philadelphia Eagles, right? You get I arguably, yeah, you get arguably the best player in the class in Jalen Carter. You pair him with his mentor, who he's even said has been his mentor, Jordan Davis, who they selected last year. You add him to a defense that drafted Nicobe Dean from Georgia last year, and you grab Nolan Smith, an edge rusher who runs in the four threes at pick number 30. I mean, Philadelphia is the best team in the NFC, and they just added two more elite level players in this draft. Man. I mean, you took everything I wanted to say right out of my mouth. So I'll just add this differently. Back in like February, uh, Marcus and I talked about, you know, way too early Super Bowl pick for next year. And I had San Francisco, Cincinnati for next year. Not anymore. I got Philadelphia over Cincinnati as my Super Bowl pick right now. Um, I think this was a Super Bowl winning first round for them. Okay. I think they had the best team in the league, period, roster wise right now. Um but if there is an Achilles heel on this team, we talked about it. You brought it up a few weeks ago. Uh, it's a safety position. Mm -hmm. And I think, Marcus, it behooves him. What are they at? Pick like 61 yeah, something or like two that. of the second round? Yeah. Move up. Get yourself to at least 42. You know, you don't know when the safeties are going to drop. And we could talk about uh, that another time or talk about that in a minute. But um, who's like the best players on the board uh, for today? But. Why not? Why, why not mortgage a little bit of your future to fill a need right now okay. when you have the best team in the league? Like, I, who cares if you have to give up your second round pick next year? Win yep. now. Um, I I, yeah. Okay. Third team that knocked it out of the park. Mm, a lot of teams that I really like their draft, uh, but I'm going to go to the Baltimore Ravens. First of all, okay. getting Lamar Jackson signed to a five-year contract before the draft, it didn't even matter what they did. They crushed it, right? Like, yep. Getting that whole thing settled, getting him to agree to a deal, knowing that you have him for the next five years is a major win. Five years, 260, I think yeah. 185 right. guaranteed, one something like that. Uh, well, and yeah. here's the thing, Elliot, right? Like if I told you Lamar Jackson, he's going to be under contract and he's going to be somewhat healthy, we've seen for the last three years when Lamar's playing, that team is as good as anybody else in the AFC, yeah. right? So, yeah. It's hard to view the Ravens as anything but a contender now that Jackson's committed. The Ravens believe in him. And then, oh, by the way, you grab Zay Flowers, who I thought was the second best receiver in this class, who I think is dynamic with a ball in his hands. 
I think people need to remember that Greg Roman is not running this offense anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a Todd mm-hmm. Munkin offense, which is going to mm-hmm. be spread out receivers all over the field. You have Odell Beckham, you have Rashad Bateman, you sign Nelson Aguilar. Now you bring in Zay Flowers. You have Mark Andrews. You still have the running game. I think this offense just got a lot better in one offseason. Yeah, I, you know, I was telling Marcus offline that that um, you know, so this kid runs a four four flat, mm-hmm. and I think we've gotten so you know everyone loves the eye popping combine numbers, right? So four three eight just sounds so much cooler. Or four, let me tell you something: when you're talking about like four three five versus a four four flat, the difference is minuscule it's yeah. minuscule there are hardly any teams in the league that have got two receivers that can run a 440 or faster this is flying it's flat out flying it's plenty fast enough uh in the nfl and this is something the ravens need in their offense and this is not something that odell beckham is going to provide for them even though i liked that move yeah. in fact this probably makes the odell beckham move even that better much more valuable yes. yeah exactly so i'm with you there uh, let's, you know, kind of, I hate going the negative route and I hate saying a team botched it when we haven't seen Jack, yep. but if we had to pick two teams, maybe three that you're like, okay, this is a major head scratcher. I've got one in mind right off the bat, but go ahead. Speaking of Jack, uh, what about the Detroit lions selecting Jack? No, Campbell. You took my team again. All right. So I, I just want to preface this by saying, I think the two players that Detroit picked Awesome. I have both those guys ranked as top 20 players in this class. I think Jack Campbell was the best linebacker in this class. He's athletic. He made every play at Iowa. He's going to be a day one starter for Detroit. Okay. Gibbs is a four, three, four running back who led Alabama in receiving yards last year. And he's a weapon out of the backfield. I, I think he is in my mind, there was not a big gap between Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs mm-hmm. as prospects. Having said that, when you have the number six pick and then the number 18 pick, I want those guys to be corners, ideally cornerstone players at really important positions. And I just don't know if running back and off the ball linebacker are it. I don't mind the off the ball backer pick only because we are talking 18 here. You know, it's one of those kind of cusp picks, isn't it? It's not a playoff pick. But it's also not like the top 12 and you're, you, I feel like the top 12, you've got to nail those picks in the Mm -hmm. NFL. Once you get to the back 20, it's a little different in terms of the value. We see that with how much it costs to trade up and whatnot. Um, I also, and this is kind of a question for you of all the players in the first round, who's the guy most likely to start and be effective opening day. It might be this off the ball linebacker. hundred percent agree. He's going to be a good player for them from the moment he steps on the practice field. Right. And if you're in a weaker conference, which Detroit is, and you're in a division that's weaker, which Detroit is, whoops. I just, I got so excited. I knocked my camera off about this, but you know, I just think that, you might take a chance, do not take a chance, but this is not such a bad pick. But the running back at six, man, I'm with you, Marcus. I thought of you because I was like, man, you talk about the two positions Marcus could care the least yeah. about. These are them. Yeah. It, I think it's just Detroit had such a unique opportunity with this loaded of a team to grab two high impact players at important positions. And I don't think they did that. So, I, again, I don't hate the players at all, but. 
little bit. Hate, I hate the game, bro. Yeah, a little Sorry. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so I'm with you on the Lions. That was my first team. I'm going to just throw one out at you, the Falcons. For a lot of the same reasons, right? Like you have a top eight pick. Your roster's good at some spots, not great at others. That probably needs to be a guy that's a ideally like an eight to 10 year starter at one of the money five positions, whether that's quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, edge rusher. And they took a running back. And the frustrating thing is I thought Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson looked really good for them last year. And now you're basically just kind of throwing those guys away a little bit for a running back prospect. I have a different question on this point for you. Um, the Falcons had space in free agency. Um, if you don't think Algier can hold up, and you know, let's be honest, Cordero Patterson, I think he came out in 13. This is the year 11. Pick 31. Hey, man, why do you let Carolina sign Miles Sanders? I know. Why don't you sign him? Miles Sanders signed for like three and a half million well, or why not go get David Montgomery in pair well, with Tyler Algier? Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember what Miles Sanders signed for. I think him. it was four it years, 21 million, four years, 21 million. Okay. So I'm a little off. Maybe it was three and a half guaranteed per year or something. But my, my, my point is, is Miles Sanders still a young player. He's mm-hmm. a good player. Why not get somebody like that and use this pick on a, a, one of the pass rushers? Cause you've got old pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clayus Campbell, man, came out in like 2008. I know people are excited about that signing. No disrespect. I, he's Hall a very good player, but yes. um, I, I, that's why I'm throwing the Falcons out. Anybody else that you'd like to mention here that you think didn't do head scratcher? So I'm going to say the Raiders for a couple of different reasons. I, I, I don't hate what they did in round one. They took Tyree Wilson an edge rusher from Texas Tech who was long and super athletic. But he's a risky prospect. He's coming off a foot injury. He didn't do any drills at the the combine. He played in the Big 12, which historically has not produced a lot of good players. Like, can you even think of the best Texas Tech defender in college football history? I'm thinking. I don't know. Not great. I'm thinking, it, well, I, I, I got to think about it for a while. No, he um, was Texas. Doggone it. That's a good question. I mean, it's it's not awesome. I, I was hoping to see the Raiders do more of a, let's just get a double, right? Like get on base. Somebody that we know is going to play right away, start, and kind of be a culture setter for us. Like one of the, like Peter Skaronsky, who the Titans took at 11. Like that would have been an awesome pick. Or Paris Johnson, who the Cardinals selected, something like that. This is just, it's a lot of risk. Hope you're on mute now. Every time I go to check pro football reference, it mutes my mic. I don't know what, what kind of glitch is that. Uh, no. I want to, pro football reference have something where you can look up the college and then it'll show you every. Uh, yeah. Dude, I, w- I went to Texas Tech because now you, you're making me wonder who the heck is the best defensive player to ever come out of Texas Tech. I could name you a slew of offensive players that came out of Texas Tech. Yeah. Bam Morris, uh, Michael Crabtree. Patrick Mahomes. Huh? Patrick Mahomes, Wes oh, Welker, Danny you, you had to go with the obvious one. Uh, you can't just search Texas Tech. Why can't you just search Texas Tech? Bro? But the point is, it's like that that team has not produced, and that conference in general has not produced a lot of big time defenders. When you're drafting at seven, it's 
it's a little bit more risk than I would be willing to take. Are you disappointed that I said Bam Morris before Patrick Mahomes? It's not my uh, fault. It's very typical of you. Okay, so a couple other things. I would say the big movers of this draft were the Houston Texans. That was kind of the splash, but that's not really fair because we're kind of recency bias. We're thinking of draft day. The biggest move of the draft was the Bears trading out of the number one spot yep. so that Carolina could get it. So let's talk about that. They took Bryce Young. It wasn't a real big surprise. Uh, how do you feel about, do you feel like Carolina paid too much now that you know the player they got? Do you think he's too risky that he doesn't run a lot and that he's small? And then how do you like this from Chicago standpoint? I don't think it was too much because if he hits, you're not going to care what the price is, mm -hmm. right? Like if he ends mm -hmm. up being a top eight quarterback, it's irrelevant what you paid for him. Um, I thought he was the best quarterback in this class. And I think it's a pretty decent fit. I, I will say this. If he doesn't pan out, I will probably never be in on a short quarterback again because yeah. I think he's about as good as it gets in the pocket with the accuracy, not taking big hits, the mental processing. Like He just checks every box. If the height is an issue for him, it's going to be an issue for every other sub-six-foot quarterback. So I'm really curious to see how it works out. You know, I've, uh, short guys are really into your work. Um, so if we look at yeah. Houston, Okay. I, you and I talked offline a little bit. You you don't love the move in hindsight. Uh, just to, for those of you guys that didn't really keep super close track, Houston had the number two pick. They had the number 12 pick. At the number two pick, they stood pat. They picked CJ Stroud, which Marcus predicted on our podcast just a couple days ago. We which I looked love. at the, yep. yeah. Well, you love that you were right. They, yep. uh, more importantly, yeah, we looked at the top eight quarterbacks and where Marcus thought that they would go, top eight quarterback prospects. He had C.J. Stroud going after Bryce Young to Houston. And I posed the question, like, why not just take a quarterback at 12 or for the one that falls or take the guy you want, Will Anderson, at number two and trade up from 12? Well, they kind of did that, kind of, in a way. They, they did take the quarterback at two, but then they traded up 12 to three, nine spots, and they paid a lot for it. First of all, I love what Arizona got in the deal. And then Arizona hardly had to pay anything to move back up three spots. So I think the Cardinals were actually a winner in this draft, right? I mean, the Cardinals got a first round pick next year. They got a second round pick. Um, you know, I, I think there was a swap of a third and fourth. Mm -hmm. But from Houston's standpoint, you didn't like it because you felt like this is a team that could put itself in position to get a generational talent next year. And they traded away that firepower potential by giving away next year's first round pick. So there's two, what Marcus calls generational talents that are going to be available at the top of the first round next yeah. year. Houston's not going to have a first round pick. At least we think to, to well, they don't have their with. own. They do have Cleveland's, which is an important part of this, right? So they'll still be able to upgrade their team, but Right. Cleveland's not going to stink, man. No, I think Cleveland's going to win nine or 10 games. So right. what, what's the worst Cleveland's going to do this year? Probably. Seven and 10. Yeah, probably. So you're talking about maybe yeah. a top 14 pick or All 12 right, at best. Yeah. Okay. Let's start ahead. with this. I love the pick of CJ Stroud at mm -hmm. two. I think he actually mm -hmm. fits that offense really well. You needed to take a quarterback. Zero issues at all. I give that one an A plus plus, right? I think Willie Anderson, I had Willie Anderson as my number one player in this class. He's the best edge rusher that I've seen come out of college since Miles Garrett. He checks every box that you want from production 
He's the all-time SEC sack leader. He had 26 tackles for a loss in the season. He's Great a competition. Center, everything, right? So, yeah. again, the pick itself is A++. It's just how much you had to give up. Going from 12 to 3, so giving up pick 12, and then all the other stuff on day 2 and 3 was a lot. But to give up your next year's one was just too much for me because you look at that conference, right? And it's not hard to think that Houston's going to be one of the bottom three teams in the conference. And if you happen to end up with one of those top two picks next year and you don't need a quarterback because you have CJ Stroud, you'll be able to trade that guy for three first rounders and multiple starting level players. I think I just would have held on to that asset, no matter how much I love Willie Anderson. I just don't think Houston's going to have a bottom five record this year. Um, I look at their division. The Colts are weak. The Jags are the best team in the division. They're okay. They're okay. Uh, I think the Texans can split with them. Texans already did split with them. Texans beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville last year. Uh, Tennessee is not stronger. So uh, could Houston easily split in their division? Yes. That's three wins right there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do better than that. I love the D'Amico Ryan's hire. And I think it's a tough message to send to your locker room, which is kind of what you're doing. If you're basically, you know, if it kind of gets released to the press that, yeah, we didn't want to make that move because we just don't want to give up our first round pick next year. It just people who understand what that means. And you're basically telling these guys, Hey, yeah, go out and play hard for me. I'm a brand new coach who comes from a winning culture. But hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're probably going to win four, three games. And but you needed to also do some self scouting, right? But that's that's the part. Like you look at your roster, and it's like, do you, are we a team that could potentially have a top five pick next year? If the answer is yes, you have to value that pick that way. So Houston obviously doesn't think they're going to be that. They think their pick is more likely to be in the teens. I disagree. We'll see. I think every coach has a healthy confidence that I can take players that another coach didn't get the most out of and I can get more out of them, or I know how to move those pieces around. It may be a false confidence, but if you don't have it, it's hard to succeed on the NFL level. And so I can't blame D'Amico Ryans if he looks at his roster and he looks at adding these two pieces and says, look, we may not be a playoff team, but we're going to be competitive against everybody. And that could mean yeah. going seven and 10. And honestly, you go seven and 10, you're probably not going to get a top 10 pick yeah. or you'll be at the very end yeah. of the top 10, uh, which will be, you know, uh, not what you're talking about. Um, any other teams that made moves that really struck you in this draft or surprised by their pick? Um, anything like that? Well, we should do the opposite of this, right? The team that the Texans traded up with were the Cardinals. And I think the yeah. Cardinals, I thought, crushed it, right? Yeah. W one of their biggest needs was offensive line, right? I don't know if they wanted to take Paris Johnson Jr., the Ohio State tackle at three, but they traded down from 12, and then they traded back up to six, and they got a net of a first-round pick to do it, right? So basically traded from three to six to get Houston's first-round pick. And oh, by the way, you still have a bunch of picks on day two and day three of this draft. And if things go really bad this year with Kyler Murray, he's not healthy or he doesn't fit, they're going to be in a great position to have not one, potentially two top five picks in a super loaded draft class. Yeah, so Arizona traded back uh, to 12 uh, with Houston. Then they traded up to nine. Who did they trade with? Was it? I'm trying to think. Uh 
Is that Chicago. right? Chicago, was, right? Oh, I think they came up, right? They came up to six with Detroit, right? Oh, they came up to Okay. And then Chicago, of course, swapped with Philly. Philly wanted to get their guy, so Chicago traded down one spot. There was a lot of little moves like that. Um, by the way, just, just you know, how do you look at the Bears situation right now? We don't really talk about them a lot, but they've acquired a lot of pieces, man. They acquired in free agency this year for their defense. Uh, obviously, they got a pretty established wide receiver. Maybe not an amazing player, but a good, solid NFL pro in DJ Moore. Um, they, they've got plenty of draft capital. What do you think right now? I, I love it. I, I thought they got the best right tackle in this class, a, a mauling uh, run blocker. Yep. And now you've got three picks coming up in the next 35 selections. I mean, you could really address their defense, which needs a lot of help. And you have a bunch of picks coming in next the next two drafts. I think Chicago really did start the rebuild the right way by just getting a bunch of assets and loading up on talent. Like, I won't be surprised in a year from now if they're like the new Detroit Lions that are all of a sudden nine and eight knocking at the door in the NFC North. So obviously two big running back prospects went off the board way earlier than Marcus was expecting. I feel like the Bears should be in the running back market here in this draft uh, coming up. Do you see one of those three picks going after one of the top running back prospects? And who is the best running back or two on the board as we head into uh, day two? Zach Charbonnet from UCLA checks every box, super productive. Uh, he's got the ideal size, just not overly fast. I think he ran a four five three at 220 pounds. It's fine, right? It's just, he's the type of between the tackles, physical runner that they need now that David Montgomery's in Detroit. So I, I think late second round, top of the third round, they have picked 64. I think that's a fantastic spot to take Charbonnet if he's there. So you don't think Charbonnet is going to be like Brees Hall, who went in the first few picks no. in the second round last year? I'm trying to no, remember where he, Brees Hall he, went. He's more of the not super dynamic, but work been like running back. Understood. Um, we talked about the Eagles briefly. They made the trade to get the defensive lineman that they wanted uh, at number nine. Chicago moved back to 10. Um what safety should be Philadelphia be earmarking and what do you think it's going to cost them to go get that guy? So two part question, because they're at the back end of the second round because they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the best safety in this class is Brian branch from Alabama. Doesn't have elite measurables, but he played we talked about this, him. Yeah. He played in the slot for Nick Saban. He played as a free safety. He played as a strong safety, um, Alabama, they've got pretty good track records with uh, yeah. safeties with Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick and uh, Eddie Jackson. And I mean, they just had a bunch of these guys. Philadelphia's drafting at 50. I'm looking at it now. Sorry, 62. They also have picked 66, which they got from the Cardinal Cardinals earlier in the day because of a tampering violation, which we didn't even talk about, talk about. The Cardinals got in trouble for tampering with uh, Jonathan Cannon. <laughs> I would package those two picks together to get inside the top 40 and go get Brian branch. Yeah, boy. And the Eagles do that. Look out, look out uh, a couple other things. Um, I, I love Cincinnati's pick at 28. Mm. I, I love the, just the, the uh, um, now I'm spacing miles Murphy. Miles right? Murphy uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just love that the dude draws stadiums in his spare time and is so like, he's an architecture geek. Mm -hmm. And that was fun. I liked the little piece. I was watching the ESPN draft coverage, and uh, that was fun. I thought it was really crazy. 
in this draft. And I didn't feel like they really talked about it that much that at 28 and 29. So the saints picked right after the Bengals did. And they took two defensive line that st- linemen that started right next to each other on the same college defensive line. And I know that Clemson's a good football mm-hmm. factory, but that's still pretty rare. Uh, I was trying to think if I'd ever even seen that happen before where two defensive linemen on the, from the same college team go back to back in the first round. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I got a quick little story on Brian Brzee, who the Saints took. Um, he was the number one recruit coming out of college, I believe, in 2020. Um, as a freshman at Clemson. You mean coming awesome. out of high school? Sorry, out of high school, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely dominant. Uh, he was incredible. 2021, he tore his ACL in week four. Okay. 2022, still coming off the ACL. His sister died at the age of 14. Okay. So he's, he's dealing with a lot after his sister died. Seven days later, he goes into the hospital with a kidney infection. That's so bad that he gained 40 pounds of water weight in two days. As the doctors were trying to flush out his kidneys two weeks later, he's back in the field playing at like 335 pounds. Never really looked the same until the end of the year, but he was finally able to shed all that water weight. He, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been a top five or six pick in this class. You're just hoping that he can get back to that 2020 form uh, that we saw because that's a dominant player. Well, both of those guys seem like they have great attitudes, both mm-hmm. of them. And uh, I mean, I saw Murphy is like what six five, two seventy, and runs at four five three. Yeah, as an edge Bonkers. rusher, I mean, man, you're running four five three at that size. Yeah. Now, of course, there's a lot of other things. Really, forty time is not that important for an edge rusher, but that's still just impressive. And he's um, long. That's the other thing. Is like yeah. we've seen these edge rushers for Cincinnati work out like Sam Hubbard, right? They want these long, athletic guys that can play the run, that can play yeah. up and down the defensive line. This is a perfect landing spot for him. And again, when you're drafting players from Clemson, these guys have played big time competition. Yep. You know, you're not worried about that. Um, one of the things, speaking of competition, I heard this. I, I like to listen to Sirius uh, XM's draft coverage with Pat Kerwin and the guys for part of the draft. And I watched some of it on TV. And I was listening to Pat talk about uh, Bryce Young. And I think he made a really good point uh, in regards to competition that even though Bryce Young's weapons may not have been as good as you know some of the other quarterbacks have had, and that's a point you made to me. Yep. Every time Bryce Young went out there, his his guys were better than the other guys. I don't mean his yeah. weapons, but I just mean the whole team. He didn't yeah. have to put up as many points as other quarterbacks because of his defense. His linemen are going to be better. You know, just overall, Alabama's got a better program. Do you think that can be a hindrance uh, in the NFL? I mean, it can be, right? But you also don't want to have to develop hero ball habits, which some of these quarterbacks do that come from worse schools where they're the best player. Right. And mm-hmm. now you have to feel like, Hey, I've got to try to make this risky throw because otherwise we're not going to win. I've seen that happen far too often and it actually becomes a negative thing. I think Bryce young is a good combination of he's confident, but he's not cocky. Uh, he's, he doesn't play outside of himself. He knows what his teammates can and can't do. I think it's going to work. All right. You want some more rapid fire here? Sure. Rapid yes. fire Marcus questions. I love it. Colts knock it out of the park or questionable. Love it. I think one of the themes of this draft is that a lot of these super talented players went to systems. I think can develop them. 
I think Anthony Richardson, Richardson with Shane striking is a perfect fit. Should we be talking about the Seahawks more? Yes. I, I mean, they are easily one of the top five teams in the NFC right now. And with the weapons that they have and the defense, that I think is going to get better throughout the draft. Remember two second round picks today. They're coming team that nobody is talking about their first round pick for whatever reason, whether it's Pittsburgh, who, who's the team like, or the pick that you just feel like, man, why is anybody talking about this as a good pick? Uh, I'll, I'll stay with Seattle, Devin Witherspoon at five. It seems like a little bit of a reach, but for man, he plays yeah. hard. Yeah. And he's so aggressive. He's the perfect guy to have opposite of Tariq Woolen, who's a little bit, he gambles a little bit more, a little bit more high variance. We need like a little buzzer. Uh, every time we say that, but a perfect number two cornerback opposite of Woolen. Do you think the Super Bowl champs got legitimately better or do you question their pick at 31? It felt like a single to me, like a good player that they're going to throw in their defensive line, but it's not changing my opinion, like the way Philadelphia is draft went. Yeah. I mean, well, it's also hard. I mean, Philadelphia yeah. traded up from 10 to nine, got the best probably overall athletic prospect. Would that be fair? Yeah. I, well, I, the, I just like the guy that Philadelphia drafted at 30 twice as much as I like Felix at 31. Interesting. Okay. So as we head into day two, what are you most intrigued by? Are you most intrigued by what teams are going to move up? I, I mean, I, I'm, I've already said it, but I, I am really curious if Philadelphia is going to move up and grab the best safety they can. Cause if they, they do, man, they golly, I just think they're going to be a juggernaut and they're going to go, 14 and three at the worst. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking ahead to, uh, you know, with anything? How about your Houston wide receiver? If he goes, uh, at yeah, the end of the Tank night? Dell. I, I, yeah. that'd be really exciting. Um, Plastic I'm looking Tank at, Dell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. I think people are overthinking him a little bit. He ran a four seven Oh at 250 pounds. He's not super explosive. He's not super dynamic after the catch but he's Notre Dame's all-time receiving leader. He was productive at 18 years old at Notre Dame. And since 2000, we've had 18 tight ends drafted from Notre Dame, and he's by far the best of them. I, I just think he's an awesome throwback player that I think is going to get gobbled up pretty quickly tonight. Uh, I, sh I want to mention a team that we haven't talked about at all. Uh, Buffalo took the tight end in uh, Dalton pick Kincaid. number Yeah, Dalton Kincaid at pick 25. Do you think Dallas might have wanted him? I wondered that really when he went off the board, I thought, boy. How, how much yeah. inside information are we allowed to give out? <laughs> so they didn't Let's do it. Hey, it's him. I don't care. It's Friday. Yeah. Uh, Dallas wasn't going to draft him. It was a smoke yeah. screen the whole time. The Cowboys like the tight end depth in this class, but they made it known throughout the draft pro process. Hey, we like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and then there were other tight ends that were being mentioned. Uh, no, they weren't going to draft him, but I will say it's an awesome fit for Buffalo, right? Now you can run some two tight end sets with Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. You can put some hard for the announcers. Yeah, you could put some, <laughs> put them in the slot. I like it. How many times do you think the announcers are going to mix up Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, both at a tight lot. end? Uh, yeah, a lot. Who They kind of look similar to me. Uh, Especially like if Dalton Kincaid's like number 87 and Knox is 88. Like it's going to yeah. be awesome. Or 86. I was watching yeah, I was watching Dalton Kincaid's uh, college tape that they were showing at when the Bills picked him at 25 because the Cowboys pretty much took all their time on the clock to make their pick. And then, of course, they did the glad hand. And, uh, but uh, I was thinking, well, he kind of 
looks like Dawson Knox the way he plays. Like, is that your pro comp? Who's your pro comp? For Dalton Kincaid, the, the name that I when I watched him, the name that I keep seeing, and I can't say because it it's too high of a cop, but he plays in that same conference, and he's a pretty good tight end, one of the best receiving tight ends of all time. That happens to be in Kansas City. But if you if you take out that comp, I would say like a Zach Ertz type of guy, like somebody that you want a big slot receiver gets open quickly and can make plays after the catch. Um, any other thoughts about the first round green Bay's pick comes to mind. Uh, we mm. both think green Bay is a little bit of a sneaky team. We talked about them, um, probably about, I don't know, five podcasts ago, Marcus and I did the over unders on all the NFC wins. And that was the one that we circled the most that we thought, Hey, seven, I think it was seven wins, wasn't it? And yep. we thought, man, that's, that's still too low. Uh, did the Packers make themselves better? I think it was a fine pick. I think it was a whatever. I, they needed more defensive line help, uh, and they got it. I got two for you. Both of these guys are sure. massive outliers, outliers that we've okay. never seen before in the history of the NFL draft. So the hmm. first one is Emmanuel Forbes, a cornerback from Mississippi State. Before Thursday, we had never, ever had a cornerback drafted in the first round that was less than 182 pounds. Yeah. Emmanuel Forbes is 6'1", 166 pounds. So even if he gained 14 pounds, he would still be an outlier. Absolutely insane. And then we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Kalijah Kansi, a defensive tackle, uh, who we talked about in the show, six foot, 280 pounds. The smallest wingspan ever drafted for a defensive tackle, not in the first round, but just ever drafted, is 75 and a half inches. He has a 70-inch mm -hmm. wingspan, five inches shorter than the uh, next shortest in NFL history. What a draft of outliers between Bryce Young's height, Peter Skaronsky's lack of arm, uh, you know, arm length, uh, Kalijah Kansi, Emmanuel Forbes, crazy class. Well, I'll tell you, people seem to be pretty high on the Kansi pick anyway, yeah. though. And But I get it. You know, you're thinking, well, what difference does that make? Well... Here's the thing, you know, the longer your arms are, for example, the easier it is in theory, in theory, to get off blocks. Also, you can swap balls down the more wingspan you have. But at the end of the day, man, hand fighting and how you use your leverage is so important to defensive line play, especially if you're playing on the interior. We've seen a smaller defensive tackle prospect. I won't name his name who has been amazing and probably the third greatest defensive player of all time. Is that too high a praise for uh, Aaron Donald? Yeah, it might be a little underrated. I didn't know you hated Aaron Donald that much. Oh, give me a break. I'm not putting him over LT or Reggie White, bro. Come on. Don't, don't, That's don't fine. embarrass yourself. Uh, yeah. yeah. Embarrass I mean, yourself. well, here's the thing with Kansas. Yeah. You got to love the fit next to Vita Vea. Like if you're going to be an undersized defensive tackle, do you know, it's really nice to have next to you. Just a behemoth guy that could take on double teams. So I, that yeah. reason, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, this is a new word. He's not a behemoth. He's a bohemoth, bohemoth. which means he's oh. a bohemian. Yeah, <laughs> bohemian. I mean, just a, you have an elephant next to you at no tackle. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting draft all the way around. I I, I think um, I enjoyed it more than I let on. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. Not, yeah. I differ from you in the sense that I don't think Houston made a mistake. I think they got two guys that they really wanted. And if you can get what you deem to be two of the very best players in the country to join your football team, you can't sit there and worry about what could happen next year. Uh, you know, 
I don't think the Lovey Smith thing, them winning the last game of the year, really hurt them that bad, Marcus. I saw what Chicago got for the number one pick. I disagree. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. My last question about the first round, and then we're done with this. What's the team that improved themselves the most? Who comes out of here just a different look? I think Seattle has to be a team that you would at least consider there because they barely made the playoffs last year. Um, but who's the team? Mm, such a good question. I'll go with the Indianapolis Colts. And here's the wow. reasoning why. I They were so slow on offense last year, and they weren't dynamic at all. Matt Ryan looks so washed up. And now with Anthony Richardson, even if he is raw as a passer, he's going to be able to give that offense something different and something dynamic is what they needed forever. I think the Colts, even with a limited playbook, are going to be so much more explosive on offense now. This guy's already been great. So this is a weird comp, but Marcus and I have talked about this before. We remember Alfred Morris running for 1,500 and something yards with RG3 because teams had to play 11 on 11 with RG3 is that's what, I mean, what, what kind of year, if Jonathan Taylor stays healthy, what kind of well, year are we looking at here? I mean, a huge, I, I'll throw another example out. What about when Vince young was a rookie in Tennessee? Didn't they run wild with Chris Johnson and Lindale yeah. white back then? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They had almost 2000 yards together. And then of course, Chris Johnson had 2000 yards the next year. I think yeah. you could see something very similar uh, with the Colts this season. Yeah, uh, you know, I know the Colts don't get everybody jazzed up. What did what was uh, Ursay tweeting about that about taking they, Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, here with their top pick in the second round? He wanted to know what Colts fans' thoughts would be on that. Well, you know, Will Levis was supposed to go a little higher, wasn't he? Yeah, but okay, would it be? I mean, if you, it's not the worst just, thing in the world. It's just that Ursay tweeted gets the worst thing in the world. That's all. <laughs> did he do it playing like I, an acoustic twelve string? I need to keep my mouth shut on Ursay. That's all. <laughs> uh, you have anything uh, from day two or day three? Uh, we, you know, we probably won't record anything that's a big question mark in your head uh, as we go forward here. I just want to see where Will Levis lands, and I'm going to give you a landing spot really quickly. Okay. Uh, before we go, his offensive coordinator in 2021, when he had his best season, was Liam Cohen, who mm -hmm. just so happened to be the Rams offensive coordinator in 2022. Now Cohen is actually back with Kentucky uh, coaching them this year. But if there's any team that knows him, it's going to be the Rams. And with Matt Stafford having these elbow issues and getting sure. older, they've got the Rams have a pick. I believe it's coming up right here at 36. If Will Levis is there, I, I think I would take him. It makes sense. Remember, guys, uh, if you, you know, I know free agency seems like forever ago. Baker Mayfield's in Tampa Bay now, so they don't have him on the depth chart. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, but, you know, there's always a quarterback that drops in a draft, and people wonder why. I still remember being at the draft, and everyone was like, man, when's Matt Barkley going to go? You know, because people were talking about Matt Barkley as a, right. a first-round pick, a, a high first-round pick. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where he went. Fourth round. Um, fourth round, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, th th this always happens. I don't think Will Levis will make it that far, but he may never fall know. down. You never know. He may fall to the third round. Obviously, we will see that, but uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. A little bit longer podcast. We hadn't done one of these in a while, over 40 minutes, so you're probably tired of us by now. But if you're not tired of Marcus, 
You can catch him at Locked On Cowboys. He hosts that with Landon McCool. They'll be breaking down the Cowboys picks. Cowboys got a defensive tackle, which was the right move, is what I told Marcus they should do, by the way. Uh, Marcus also writes for Pro Football Focus, and he covers the Raiders for Raiders Wire. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We appreciate you guys and hope you're really enjoying the draft.